stamped on these lifeless things. The hand that mocked them and the heart that fed. And on the pedestal these words appear. My name is Coordinated Strike. Welcome back to Coordinated Strike. As always, I'm your host, Joe. We have a fantastic show for you today. We are continuing our series on the starter boxes, the Allegiance box sets, to get you ready to play against other Allegiance box sets. And today, we are doing the Cult of the Burning Man. That's right, Ariadatos. We are here for you. We've got you, you two units of warp, and we've got you, you stalking portals. It's about to get weird up in here as we go ahead and go through the looking glass while we play with this amazing Cult of the Burning Man. But first, as always, a word from our sponsors. Easy bake, easy bake, fast as you can. Mix them up, mix them up, pour them in the pan. Slide them in, slide them in, let them bake now. Slide them in, slide them out, easy bake, wow! Yes, it's a cooking joke for the Burning Man. Okay? Okay, this is how low this show gets, okay? It's all right. It's okay. We'll get through it together. All right, welcome back. We are going to talk about the Cult of the Burning Man Allegiance box set, uh, how it plays into the other box sets, and how you are probably going to be the most hated person in your meta when you begin playing them, particularly if you pay close attention to what I'm going to give you in this show. So just prepare yourself for that. It's okay. They, they're they not as special as you are. You've been chosen. So don't worry, folks. I'm going to give you some tips and tricks against them as well. So let's all pay close attention together as we go through the most complex set of rules in the entire game. All right. So let's begin with the Allegiance card for the Cult of the Burning Man because this is where you need to get your PhD out and go ahead and really start thinking differently and critically about game movement and maneuver. So what the Cult of the Burning Man is wanting you to do and think about is really stretch your non-linear threat pattern recognition. In other words, these guys have extreme mobility, extreme movement, and the whole starter box is really about teaching you this. Uh, we discussed it before in the Cult of the Burning Man um, expansion episode, but I want to really kind of tie down into this concept in the uh, the Allegiance starter box and how it ties into the other starters and how they play. So we'll go down the card. Uh, the Burning Man watches from above. If an ace is placed in your discard pile, you may place a shaken token on any unit. And this is very important. It's not just your units. It's also your opponent's units. So why are shaken tokens important? Shaken tokens are normally a minus two that you can use during the modify step of an action. So if they're attacking you, you can use a shaken token that's on them to modify it during your modification step to minus two acting value. Or to reduce it by two in acting value, you know, minus two. Uh, additionally, it can be used uh, when they're when you are attacking them to go ahead and reduce their resistance their resistance acting value by minus two as well, again, during that modification step at the start. But Cult of the Burning Man are crazy, and so they get some bonuses around using Shaken Token. So they have Chaotic Power, which is at any time, not during an action, a friendly Cult of the Burning Man unit with two or more Shaken Tokens may flip to glory. So they actively want Shaken Tokens on their units to flip them to glory. So... They have a adjunct that is actively um, preventing the harm that shaken tokens normally do. The uh, the raving ma the uh, raving madman, fantastic adjunct. Uh, we'll talk about him a little bit as something you'll want to get uh, about the same time you purchase the box set when retail occurs. Simply because this box set has the distinct um, little dis distinction of being about two points short. 
uh, even if you take the most expensive upgrades you can on Adiodaptos, you come up just a few points short of a full 25, his full 25 allocation. So easy enough to fix with some uh, Raving Madmen. You can also proxy them in. Uh, you can also play it just straight out of the box without that modification. You will not actually feel down uh, in terms of points because you are a highly effective box set, which we're going to get into. But it is something to keep in mind. Uh, so you're, you're going to glory typically is going to allow your opponent to have some direct counterplay against you because of the shaken tokens. The Raving Madman effectively denies that and then turns the tokens that are on you into an attack. It's a pretty, pretty interesting mechanic. All right, so then there's Tears in Reality. At the start of the turn, you may discard a card to move a friendly portal marker up to six inches. Okay, that sounds interesting. And you would be correct. Uh, because this is where the fun begins. We're going to go ahead and now talk about dimensional instability. So during scouting, you're going to place three 50mm portal markers on the board in any location that is at least 8 inches from any other markers. This would include objective markers, anything that is a defined marker in its rules, and not in your deploy opponent's deployment zone. When a Cult of the Burning Man fire team in this company comes into or starts in base contact with a friendly portal marker. So this is our first place to stop and talk about some things. So the portal markers themselves need to be at least 8 inches from any other markers, which would include their own. If your opponent is bringing markers, uh, objective markers, they have to stay outside of that range when you're deploying them. Okay. Now, when a call to the Burning Man fire team in this company comes into or starts in base contact with a friendly portal marker, you may place its unit in base contact with any other friendly portal marker. So let's begin. Let's go back to an ability we just talked about very briefly, Tears in Reality. At the start of the turn, you may discard a card to move a friendly portal marker up to six inches so if you were to move one of these portal markers with that ability and it happened to then touch i.e come into base contact with a fire team in this company when a call to the burning man fire team in this company comes into base contact with a friendly portal marker you may place its unit in base contact with any other friendly portal marker. So you could move a friendly portal marker during this step, have it touch, i.e. come into base contact with, one of your friendly units, and then you get to place your friendly unit into base contact with any other friendly portal marker. So now the next part of this. So this allows for out. What I'm talking about specifically is this allows for out of activation movement through dimensional instability. Right there, in the words, it's why tears in reality exists. It's why the stalking portals exist the way that they do, and we're going to talk about them more in a few minutes when we get into the rest of the context of the starter box, but. We need to establish a couple of things when we're talking about dimensional instability. That's our first one. Additionally, you can utilize it if you're in base contact with a friendly portal marker, meaning if you start in base contact with it, when you activate, you can utilize the portal marker. It's kind of a neat thing. It means things like you could take a focused effort order and still be able to use dimensional instability if you're touching a portal marker. One of your fire teams in that unit that you've activated and given that focused effort to is just touching the marker. So what are the penalties for it? Well, fire teams that move in this way may not use any remaining movement that was granted by the order and cannot use the dimensional instability rule again during this activation. So when you utilize it, 
during an active during your own activation, if you give what well, you're going to give a, every unit is going to get an order when they activate. If you utilize this rule by coming into contact with a portal marker or starting in base contact with a portal marker, and you elect to utilize this rule, you do not get any additional movement granted by the order. So your movement portion stops as soon as you elect to use the dimensional instability. But it's only during that act, only during that specific activation. So you can move somewhere and then like what you a sequence that could occur very easily is you could use tears in reality to move a friendly portal marker up six inches. It touches one of your warp units. That warp unit then gets zapped forward to one of the portal markers you have in the forward hood. And let's say you're going first. You could then, depending on where they're positioned, you could either rush them forward or advance them and have them attack uh, your opponent. You know, you have your have them attack one of your opponent's units. Okay, and the way that you do it, let's say you have one of your guys hang just back, or maybe that you had it positioned in such a way that it was very close to, uh, or where you where you're deploying essentially from the from the marker where you're placing from the marker isn't that far to the opponent and. Let's say your stalking portals go ahead and activate the following turn and walk up to a marker, dimensional instability to that same marker. They're now they then come into direct base contact with you. You have been touched by you've come into contact with a marker because they've come up and touched you. You could then zap back into your own waiting deployment zone if you so chose. Uh, to go ahead and, and get out of harm's way. It's, it's something that's entirely possible to do because the dimensional instability rule only prevents you from doing it twice in an activation. doesn't stop you from being affected by somebody else's that happens to move you there. Um, if you are getting pulled by Siren's Call and you happen to... T the, the line that they take happens to put you indirect contact with one of your dimensional instability markers, you're able to then jump to another marker. You have a lot of outs with this ability. It's designed to give you a lot of outs. It's designed to give you a lot of threat vectors. It's designed to be generally, utterly and completely annoying. So let's talk about some base ways to prevent you from having fun with this if you're one of your opponents. One of the simplest things you can do to help deny the Cult of the Burning Man's movement abilities is if they give you a marker to stand on, just stand on the marker. Yes, Adiaptos has some ability to attack you from it, but he, that requires him to go to glory. Uh, first off, and second off, it requires him to have a target within 12 inches to really get effect from it. So, you can just kind of marker set in a lot of cases. It's one of the reasons that Battlefield Map is so incredibly strong. Uh, something else that's fairly good is Tidal Scepter, because it increases your deployment zone by 3 inches. In terms of where you can place your units which means it negates another three inches of the board that the opponent can have their uh, marker on because they can't have them in your deployment zone. So that's kind of a fun fact. It gives you, again, some base counterplay at the box set level to kind of think about. Again, if you can just stand on it, you can deny them coming out of the portal because they have to be able to touch that portal in order to, you know, have to come in base contact with it in order to utilize it, and sometimes even just standing in such a way on it to prevent all of them from going there uh, is enough to prevent them from utilizing the portal itself in, in some cases. Uh, but the biggest thing is just make sure that they don't have room.
you can box them out, box them out. Uh, that is the easiest way to help prevent uh, forest fires. So let's talk about the commander because he is kind of hypercritical to the success of the box set. So this is going to be a counterplay strategy that we're going to talk about additionally. So he has on his front of his card, he's a speed 7, defense 5, willpower 6, armor 9, very important. He has very high armor. Um, we've talked about armor before. Armor 9 is really good. Armor 9 is what the Mahals get on glory. So it is an elite stat line. He's got good speed. He's got average defense. He's got average willpower. He's got above average armor. He is a two tactics commander. He gives you two tactics tokens upon activation. He is on a 50 millimeter base and he is a champion. So he gets the champion rules as well as the commander rules. Uh, he has Shatter Reality, so during scouting, your Allegiance's Dimensional Instability ability places an additional portal marker. So normally you get three, he provides a fourth. So he is giving you an extra portal to play with every game. It does change, does change the nature of the board quite a bit. He gives Arcane Barrage, it's a magical attack. Uh, this is very important because just having a straight magical attack means... It is not affected by cover. That is something that you need to be very much aware of. Uh, it is an active value of 6 versus defense, 12-inch range, strength 3. Additionally, he can utilize it while he is engaged because it does not, it does not have a ranged icon on it. So that is a fun thing. Not a missile attack. Not a missile icon. Uh, he has on a ram dimensional feedback. Every enemy fire team within two inches of one or more friendly portal markers suffer a strength one hit. So he does make you pay if he can hit you. If you're standing on those markers, and have other fire teams standing near those markers. So that is that is something to keep in mind. Again, this on his base card, he's going to need a ram to pull that off, and twisting paths. It's his morale action. It is a 6 versus 12. You get to place a friendly non-Titan unit in line of sight into base contact with this fire team. It gains a Shaken token. So here is a couple things to think about. Again, layers within layers and non-linear threat ranges are critical to the understanding of this particular box set. Twisting Paths has no range restriction. All he needs to do is be able to see it which means Adioptos on a hill can see virtually the board, anything that is non-Titan. He can see over and he can pinpoint two. So that, he's going to ignore any low terrain. That in and of itself means when you're picking sides, you need to try and deny Adioptos the hill and you need to understand if there's a portal marker near a hill, Adioptos is probably going to end up there. So you should make it so that Adioptos ending up there is death sentence. Because you don't want him to have that near godlike line of sight. Because that means he can just pull things away as he needs. With that all said, he can still do that fairly effectively, even on most good, well set up boards. So the terrain is going to matter in this matchup. Surprise, surprise, terrain matters in this game. So anytime you can get a, a good line of sight blocking piece or an area where there's some good line of sight blocking, utilize it and make it difficult for Adioptos to do his job. And if conversely, if you're the cult player, you want to keep these things in mind. You want to see if there's a hill on a side. It may be worth taking that particular side to utilize the terrain better because you're going to get some tremendous value out of twisting paths because you're going to be giving out a shaken token, which means the unit is halfway to glory the first time you use this. You're getting them, theoretically, out of a bad situation. Oh, and you can do really cute crap like moving stalking portals over to you and then... You're touching a portal, which means you can dimensional instability and jump to a place. 
which means you could do this again to another unit. And they could have super awesome fun times. Or you could do other fun things like jumping the portals to you, choosing not to dimensional instability, and then jumping something else next to you who then is going to touch the portals, which they could then dimensional instability. It's super fun, guys. It's what we do. It's portal time, Woody. Let's do this. It is so amazing. I love portals so much, and you will too. And if you don't, you're wrong. So I've said it. Now that we now that we have the stakes established, let's talk a little bit more about Adiaptos when we get to the glory side. So in glory, we go up to speed eight. So he becomes a Ferrari. He goes up to defense six, better than average defense, willpower six, same average willpower, and still armor nine. Really good. Now he gains knowledge from the ether. After a friendly move, unit moves through a portal, using the dimensional instability ability, draw a card and reveal it. If it is not a mask, discard a card. So you get card draw for your units utilizing dimensional instability. You have to give a card up if it is not a mask. If it is a mask, you just get to keep that card. That's pretty awesome. So you get incidental draw. Incidental draw is amazing. And you should feel bad for having it. There, I said it. All right, so then he becomes even more aggressive. On his arcane barrage, he gains the ram automatically. Uh, again, versus defense, 12-inch range, strength 3. He retains dimensional feedback, which is that ram trigger, which he's going to have built in now. Every enemy fire team within 2 inches of one or more friendly portal markers suffers a strength 1 hit. And then on a mask, he gets reverse cascade to take this action again. Anytime you get something that gives you a free action in the other side, it's huge. It's an amazing trigger. And you should be trying to get it off as often as possible. Particularly when this can do a ton of damage to your opponent depending on how they're set up, because if they're standing on the markers and standing near the markers, the portal markers, to stop you from being able to jump wherever you want to jump, like it's Quantum Leap, they're going to start getting shredded because you're just going to do a ton of damage to them as long as you can get somebody in that range 12. And guess what? You're speed 8. You can do it. It's not going to be hard for you. It's, it's probably going to be easy. Uh, and then we get even crazier. He has Devouring Vortex, another magical attack. Uh, Devouring Vortex is 9 versus speed, 18-inch range. Target within 3 inches of a portal marker suffers a strength 6 hit. So he is not messing around. Additionally, on a mask, he has sucked in. Place the target in base contact with a portal marker within 14 inches of this fire team. That's pretty crazy so he can pull somebody off one of the markers and place them in base contact with a portal marker within 14 inches so he can just kind of move them around uh he is again the strength six hit is devastating when we're dealing with the armors that are available in the box sets uh, and you're going to need to stand on the markers to help prevent some of the mobility so what is our counter here guys well the counter is going to be, you're going to go after the head as much as you can. Adioptos is one of the commanders that you should be seeking to kill. Uh, he is he is such a support for the unit. He's going to help, help that box set yo-yo away from you. So if you can kind of figure out where he's going to end up, and he's going to be, if you can kind of predict that, and you can make their... Their threat range is more predictable, again, by standing on those markers, which, again, makes him going to have to engage you. He's got to get to that 12 inches, or at minimum, get within 18. You can start having an effect against him. And then he still has Twisting Pass, which, again, he's going to go up to 8 versus 12. He's going to place a friendly non-Titan unit in the line of sight into base contact with this fire team. And it's going to gain a shaken token. So that is his pull out of combat effect. So what is he going to pull out of combat? Well, you've got two of the warped. And the warped are a phenomenal 
unit. They are a 9 script unit. They are speed 7, they are defense 6, willpower 6, so again, above average defense, above average willpower, or average willpower, armor 7, base, above average speed at speed 7. Real strong unit. This is before we talk about their abilities, which makes them absolutely absurd. Arcane Shield, if this unit has not yet received an order this turn, it gains armor plus 1. Gains plus 1 armor. So they're effectively armor 8 until they have received an order. So Armor 8 is good. We've talked about why Armor 8 is good ad nauseum. Let's go over it again. Armor 8 is good because Strength 3 is average. And Strength 3 requires a 15 in order for you to ace a unit. And there's only one card, which is a stratagem, that is capable of getting Strength 15. Giving you a 15 off of a base Strength 3. Now there are ways to go ahead and get it up to Strength 4 which will mean you'll need a red joker to do it. But still, it means you're not losing three guys at a pop. And if you're forcing average unit, <coughs> again, let's go, back to the, let's go back to base combat math on unit activation. If I'm armor eight, it means that the opponent on average strength three, which most of the other units, starting units in the game, for the allegiance box sets, our strength three base. This means, particularly at range, so this means that my opponent is going to have to get to a margin of five to get to a strength of four, because again, plus one strength for every margin, margin or margin of five for the powerful attack trigger. They're going to need to get up from strength three to strength four, so again, they're going to have to spend a higher card to get to strength four to then maybe have a shot at a red joker attack that will remove one fire team from my unit. In other words, you are not going to remove three full fire teams of three from this warped unit from a single unit attack back. It's not going to happen. The math in the game says no. That's because the units are going to generate three attack actions. And those three attack actions, it is virtually impossible to generate three strength 18 damage flips against the work unit. It's not going to happen. You might get one. More likely to happen is you're going to kill a single fire team leaving them effectively with two attacks back on you. Well, there's upgrades that we're going to talk about. Again, Relic of Ancient Malifaux. We talked a lot about it in our previous episode with Gibbering Hordes. Just as relevant here for Cult of the Burning Man, if not more so, because of Arcane Shield. So if they do get lucky and do remove one of your fire teams prior to you activating... You've got Adioptos. He can go ahead and play healer if he wants to. Doesn't hurt anything. It gives him a little more mid-game uh, potential as opposed to just pure offensive output. And makes your warp incredibly frightening to play against. And there already are. So let's go ahead and talk some more about what they're bringing. Again, they're bringing Twisted Claws. Uh, acting value 6 versus defense, 2-inch reach on a melee attack. It is strength 4 base. So, strength 4 base is incredible in this game. It is one of the numbers that we talk about because, again, what does strength 4 base become? If you get a margin, it becomes strength 5, and strength 5 starts to rip through strength... Oh, starts to rip through. Say it with me now. Armor 8. For the people in the back, what does it rip through? Armor 8. What does it absolutely shred? Armor 5. Right. So now those aces become more applicable. <clears throat> and again, ace here in reference to removing all of a fire team in a single attack. What else do they gain? They have two incredible triggers on the front of this. 
On a ram, they have tear apart, and it immediately gains piercing, so you're going to flip two cards instead of one on those strength four attacks. When you're doing the damage flip, or when you're doing the penetration flip, and again, on a crow, target is going to gain a shaken token. So it's going to make your AV6 even more effective. Incredible. So half of the deck, half of the cards in the deck, are going to provide you with a bonus when you're attacking. Fantastic. You have a magical attack. Uh, Echo of Existence. It's a 6 versus willpower. 10 inch range. Place every fire team in this unit into base contact with target fire team's unit. So this is a way for them to jump from a portal and then target somebody that's 10 inches away and jump their fire teams to that unit, which means they can get even further away depending on how that unit is spaced. That's incredible power. Echo of Existence is an amazing ability, and it is one that you have to plan for when you are facing the when you are facing the Cult of the Burning Man all the time. If they have warped, they have access to this, which means you have to have to think about threats very differently because they can come at you again with a giant non-linear threat pattern. So now let's talk about them in glory. What happens when they go to glory? They go to speed 8, they retain defense 6, willpower 6, and they retain armor 7. They keep arcane shield, so again, if they have not received an order this turn, they're going to gain plus 1 armor. They're going to get like calls to like. At the end of this unit's activation, it gains a reinforcement token if one or more of its fire teams are within 3 inches of a portal marker. So if it's near portals, it's going to gain a reinforcement token. That is very strong. So what happens to its attacks when we go to glory? Well, we get plus one AV on Twisted Claws. So we go up to Acting Value 7 with a built-in ram. So we have Tear Apart, again, immediately gain piercing automatically on these attacks. Again, versus defense, 2-inch reach, strength 4, melee attack. And again, they retain Frighten, which is on a crow. Target gains a shaken token. They just get better at killing things. When they go to glory, it's fantastic. I can't, I can't say anything bad about the warp. They are phenomenal. And then we get to echoes of existence. Echoes of existence goes up to an acting value seven versus willpower again, range ten. You're still going to place every fire team in this unit into base contact with target fire team's unit on a margin of five through the cracks. Place the target into base contact with a friendly portal marker in line of sight. So this is a neat thing. This means you can jump to them and then place that target, which means you're placing the target, which means you're now going to place the target's unit because of how place works when interacting with a squad. You're going to place them uh, in base contact with a friendly portal marker that is in your line of sight. So you can avoid retaliation, which is always incredible to do when you are... Call to the Burning Man, because you don't want to get hit. You want to hit and then run away or get pulled away. You don't want to stay there and take the hit. That's not what you're there for. That's not what you do. So you may have noticed that Echoes of Existence would take one of your fire team's actions, and so they wouldn't be able to attack. Well, that's rough. Don't worry, on the glory side, you get a trigger on a mask from out of nowhere. You're going to take a melee action against this target if it is in range. So you get to take a melee action against the fire team that you just attacked, that you just jumped to. It's pretty awesome. It gives you, you know, basically a free movement that you then get your attack you wanted to do anyway with, and you don't miss any of your attacks in terms of getting the, the attempt of the attack, uh, as opposed to just getting able to place the whole unit so they're set up to do their evil things. So the Warped are amazing. You get two units of these. Uh, you toss in the Raving Madman, who we're going to talk about real quick, which is the adjunct for Cult of the Burning Man. Uh, it's a one-script adjunct, as, as uh, the ones that are currently game are. Uh, when the unit... 
his epidexine when this unit's adjunct is removed due to damage, it counts as removing two models. So it can kill, it basically can count as two uh, wounds. Pretty awesome. Uh, so it gives you even more survivability. It has lunacy. This is the main reason you're taking this adjunct, along with the fact that you need uh, some more points. Lunacy. Opponent may not use shaken tokens on this unit. So the thing that you go to glory with, your sh the shaken tokens that you're putting on your unit, that are normally a detriment. Raving Madman says they're not a detriment to you. you, you they have no effect. Opponent may not use them against you. And then you have a once per turn ability. Uh, once during an activate, once during activation, the fire team containing this unit's adjunct model may take an action listed on the asset in addition to any other actions it can take. It's a morale action. He's making some sense. It's 5 versus willpower, 6th range. Target suffers a hit with a strength equal to the number of shaken tokens on this unit, to a maximum of strength 5. Then discard a shaken token on this unit. So, again, you're going to go to glory from getting shaken. You're going to get two shaken tokens on you, you're going to go to glory. The raving madman prevents your opponent from using them on you. You can then, as long as you're within 6 inches, and you're probably going to be because your primary attack uh, is... A melee attack and your secondary attack is quite simply uh, your secondary attack is quite simply something to get you set up to go into melee so you're gonna get within six inches of an opponent and then you're gonna get an extra attack out of these guys which is gonna be it's at least strength two to start because you're gonna have two tokens on you for getting to glory and you're going to get a free strength to hit, potentially, against willpower. That's, that's something to sneeze at. Extra damage adds up over time. This this is phenomenal. It's, it's fantastic. Okay, so let's talk about the other unit in the box set. The one that we've talked a little bit about, because it's a setup unit. It is the Stalking Portals. They are a three-script unit. They are speed six, defense three, willpower four, armor five. So right off the bat, you can see this is not combat stats. These are like gibbering horde stats, but you don't have recursion. So, why are they here? Sentinel portals. Fire teams in this unit count as portal markers for the purposes of friendly actions, abilities, and triggers, including the allegiance and the envoy cards. So, these are portal markers. These are living, breathing portal markers that you can reinforce, that you can maneuver quite easily. These are good. This is not bad. It is a... Uh, 120 millimeter base with three guys on it, and you get a squad of two. So there are two 120 millimeter bases, 120 millimeter bases with three guys on them. The Warper 80 millimeter bases with three guys on them, and you get three fire teams of them. So again, pretty phenomenal. On the whole, I am a huge fan of uh, of this box set. It has, uh, again, this, the stalking portals are going to have draw-in. It's a three versus willpower, two and three each, strength one. Uh, they have, On a crow, they have one after another. Target discards all reinforcement tokens, and on a mass, they have it spit you out. Place the target into base contact with any fire team in this unit. Pretty strong. You can use these guides to feed um, other people to them, but this really is a, as a last resort kind of thing. Uh, when they go to glory, they go up to speed seven, defense four, willpower four, armor five. Again, they're not they're lovers, not fighters. They're gonna have draw in. Again, it's gonna go up to willpower. It's gonna go to active value five as opposed to active value three. Again, strength one, same two triggers. Uh, they're going to gain a morale action, cascade and despair. Five versus willpower, eight inch range. This one is worth talking about a little bit. Uh, if target's fire team unit is in glory, that unit immediately flips from glory. Then take this action again against a different target, drawing line of sight and range from the previous target of this action. So you can literally create a cascade of flipping from glory if this is set up right and you get the cards. Not something to rely on, but it is a cute little ability that is going to be relevant in certain games, in certain matchups. So let's talk Turkey. You are a melee-based faction that has extreme mobility, that is really about yo-yoing your guys in and out. What sets that up? Again, Adioptos is going to set that up. Your stalking portals set that up. 
Terror in Reality. Terrors in Reality set, helps set that up um, by providing a way to move markers at the start of the turn. And again, your dimensional instability is really what's allowing that in and out movement to occur as often as possible because your units, frankly, are not amazing at taking hits. They're good at taking hits. You know, Adioptos is armor 9, but he's only defense 5. He's defense 6 in glory, which is good. You're warped, again, defense 6, nothing to snark at, but armor 7 after activation. Before activation, they are armor 8. So they can be aced with strength 3. Fairly, fairly reliably. It's something to think about. Their big advantage is their strength 4. So the more you can jump them in and then rush away, the better. Additionally, you have extreme advantage in operations that call for movement to the opponent's side of the field and then ability to quickly redeploy to your own side of the field. So like set traps, you are amazing at simply because you can place the markers in such a way that forces your opponent to overcommit. You can position in such a way to force your opponent to commit to one side and then immediately jump over to the other side and not have your opponent be able to react to you in time before you start scoring on something like set traps. You can get so deep so quick just because of how your portal abilities work that it's difficult for your opponent to keep up and difficult for your opponent to to commit to a spot because as soon as they commit your your speed advantage it's just going to overcome them so set traps is one that you're very good at uh, scavenge is a little rougher one for you there are four objective markers on the field which means your ability to place markers is less uh, in terms of your your positions are going to be dictated a little bit more and it centralizes where the action wants to be. And when the action is centralized, you have a little bit harder time because you're not designed for a fair fight. You're not. You want to try and isolate, jump back, and retain. So one of the things you can do is make the game about getting as many of those markers as possible and then jumping your forces back with Adioptos. So if you can kind of get to the objective first, claim it, and then have Adiab, once the opponent comes in, as long as they don't turn that marker, you can pull your force back right after. That way you're scoring your opponent set up to be charged by you the following turn, but they don't get the satisfaction of really getting a clean hit at you for more than a, more than a round or two some things to think about while you're playing this particular box set into the the other box sets in the game so one of the other ones that you're very good at is supply cash uh, supply cash allow is really plays to your strengths because again you can protect New one, a new one that you create, and you can go after your opponent's ones fairly easily simply because of how your portals are set up. You're really designed to move around the board very freely, and your opponent really isn't in most cases. They're going to be a little more traditional. They're going to be a little more traditional in their movement vectors, and so you can predict where they're going to be. They're going to have to telegraph to that to you in most cases, and you're just going to have the advantage of being able to get there in a lot of spots. Now, one of the things that we've talked about as a counter is the stepping on of the portal markers, and that, that definitely can be a detriment to you. Tears in Reality helps with that. You're going to want to make sure you have a card available to kind of get a get markers free as much as possible. Adioptos also helps with that. So there are things you can do with him to really make it costly to to play that game one of those is getting out of Aptos into the fray 
And the main way that you can do that safely is by making sure he's within he's within line of sight of the stalking portals at all times. As long as he's within sight of the of the stalking portals at all times, he is a small card away from being able to jump them over to him and then dimensional instability to a safe place. It makes that makes his life a lot easier uh, in in so many cases. So you need to keep you need to make sure you keep him safe because he is your main yo-yo point for your force. Uh, your stalking portals can be very good at keeping him alive and protecting him because they provide ambulant wounds. Uh, additionally, they are a good spot to be able to retreat to. But keep in mind, they can just as easily run up and claim a marker if you need them to. And in something like, uh, one again, one of your harder ones is going to be pitched assault. So pitched assault, again, you're going to have two markers in the center of the table that have extra bonus points for killing fire teams within six inches of them and to control them gives you an extra three points if you control more than your opponent from a scenario standpoint it makes you want to stand there and hit people that's not what you're great at you're great at hitting people but you want to get away you want to deny them the satisfaction against you. Well, it's a little more difficult if you're going for that scenario point. The big thing is you have to deny those points to your opponent. So you have to play very cagey in that match. Uh, it is not your best operation. That said, it's a playable operation. All the, all the operations are playable for every one of these box sets. You just have to sometimes work a little harder in them. And you got to think about what you're doing. So that's something to definitely keep in mind whilst you're playing is how you're faring. Your your tough matchup, I'm going to tell you flat, is going to be you're going to have two fairly tough matchups: Abyssinia, because their stat line is going to give you fits. Uh, your armor four, your strength four is very good and does help mitigate that. Problem is they're coming, they're swinging back on you with strength four as well, which sort of negates a lot of your armor advantage. <laughs> even if they, even if you get the drop on them, that that can be a rough matchup. It's a winnable matchup for you for sure, because you outspeed them in the speed operations, but they're going to outkill you and out-survive you in the attri more attrition-based operations like scavenge and pitch assault. So a little more of a coin flip match. Adiaptos has to do some good work for you. Um, and they're going to have to play a very cagey game where they're playing heavily towards the scenario side and forcing you to commit. And you're going to have to force them into odd situations. I mean, you've got to use your speed in that matchup you do not want to let them bang on you for a sustained period of time that will end poorly for you and gibbering hordes gibbering hordes are phenomenal at attritional based winning and that's really their really their royal house and that's kind of your weak spot that is the that is the weak spot for the allegiance as a whole so that's something you got to keep in mind you have a little bit easier time into King's Empire, and that's because in King's Empire wants to shoot you, but you can help prevent them getting clean shots, and then you can jump into them and start just roughing up their day. Because sometimes they just want to be a gun line, and you're really good at wrecking gun lines. It's kind of what you're built for. And then Cult on Cult is a crazy mishmash of speed, so... What you want to do is just kind of own the vectors as much as possible. You've got to 
when playing them, you are thinking in, in multiple dimensions. The, the board is really a different place. Threat ranges are not, um, are not linear at all. And you have to really, it really rewards a mind that can play the more three-dimensional threat vector game. Uh, and if you can get very good at yo-yoing your units with Ariapdos in the box set game, you are going to have a very good time playing them, and your opponent is going to have a very bad time until they start figuring out some things to do against you, like trying to get damage on Adiaptos early, uh, coordinating striking into a single unit of warped that have been exposed because you can't pull them both back at the same time. It's kind of a key fact. And, and those type of things are what you've got to watch out for. So the, the best thing you can do as cult is try to take something every turn for giving up as little as possible be at a point here or there on scenario, or a fire team here and there from your opponent. Getting shaken tokens on your enemy at different points. Anything you can do that doesn't really cost you heavily resource-wise, or really commits your force, is going to give you an incremental advantage you can use and build up to steamroll uh, the opponent at the end. And that's, that's kind of what you do. You're very glass cannoning. And that's something you should embrace. And I hope that you have embraced this episode of Coordinated Strike. You can reach us at uh, coordinatedstrike at gmail.com. And you can follow me at Coordinated Strike, or I'm sorry, at Cheated Fades Joe on the Twitter. Uh, and remember, if you have a tactics token, you can make a Coordinated Strike. All your time waiting for that second chance. Some reason